my first guest since taking over the reins from his famous father has done nothing but train winners, plenty of them and some big races to boot. So many happy memories already and hopefully plenty of time to create a good bucket load more. Donald McCain, got you at last. <laughs> Morning, good, good to see you. It's took a while. Uh, and you've, be, you've been down here in Sandown the last, the last couple of days with, with runners. Are we going to be seeing a bit more of you down south, do you think? We've always we've always run horses wherever. I was I was saying before we've, you know, Perth's still our furthest away track. Fontwell, Plumpton, we have runners there all the time. Had winners at Sandown and stuff last year. Make no mistakes, it's more competitive down here on certain days. So if you can earn possibly better prize money elsewhere, then we go elsewhere. But no, we'll we'll come if we've got them. We'll come. <laughs> I said 155 winners last season. That represented the culmination of. I mean, is it fair to call it? Comeback? Well, so people have said. I, I, I was hoping I hadn't gone away, to be honest. But listen, it was just a great year, and, and I, I still don't quite know how it happened. We gathered up a nice team of horses, and and, and they were just healthy all year, and they kept winning. And um, when I got to a hundred, I was thrilled, and the rest, the rest, I was just shaking my head, to be honest. But if you're if you're churning out winners at over twenty percent, twenty three percent, as you are this season with seventy one, and I know it's from. Fewer, fewer runners, but you've got to be doing doing something right. Can you identify what's changed over the last two or three seasons? Uh, look, say, well, I put a new gallop in three or four years ago, probably four years ago now, at great expense. Um, but we trained a lot of winners on my old gallop and so on. Surrounded myself with good people. You know, I've, I've got a fantastic bunch of owners, and a lot of staff have been with me for a long time now. And 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 you can't you can't do that without them. You know and We've got a great team of people that I'm probably needed less and less <laughs> on a daily basis and we do it between us and we get stuck in and it's just being comfortable with what you're doing and where you are and, 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 and the people around you. Because that was something, I was going to say, you actually look down the list of, of how many winners you've trained each season and the sort of narrative is Donald McCain drops off cliff and then, and then comes roaring back again. But in fact, you never got down to fewer than... 50 winners, so you, no. you're still, you were still productive, even, even if they were lean years by your very high standards. You just set yourself a very, very high bar. And, 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 and in, in those days had more horses than I have now and don't ever want to have those numbers again. You know, but, I mean, I remember going back when, when we were doing it with Dad and he used to stand up at the Christmas party and say it'd be great to get 10 winners by Christmas, so I can still think back to that, if you know what I mean. Um, it's just look I say I, I I always thought if you can train a hundred winners in a season it's been a great season. Mm. And, and and I stick with that. So um what's your 
What's your earliest horse racing memory? What is the earliest thing you can remember about the sport? Because you were two when Red Run won his, his first Grand National. I mean, that's asking an awful lot, but something in that heady period of the early 70s must stick in your, in your mind. First, obviously, is Red winning his third National. And, the third one. And, and, and sitting, uh, we, 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 we were never allowed to go, so I was at my grandmother's. We went to one, myself and my sister went to one grandmother each. And um, I remember I remember watching it on the sofa at, at, at Grandma Harris's house in Southport, yeah, and um, and then looking out my bedroom window as he came home in the evening. And obviously my bedroom was above the showroom at the front, so there's a veranda, and over the road the shops, and there was people on the roofs, there was people, the whole street was shut. And, and yeah, that would be my earliest racing memory. And how come you weren't you weren't allowed to go? Was it just not considered a thing for young kids to go? Well, in those days, it was seen and not heard and kept out of the way. Firstly, but but obviously, it, it was superstition as well. And and dad had this routine. Mum and dad had this routine. They went to a certain owner's place in the morning, had a few drinks, had a bit of do, and went in his car to Aintree, and and that was the routine. And it was so. Can you imagine how consuming it was? This one horse, this one, this one great horse that 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 was the public horse, and and, and kids came second. I I was fortunate enough to to interview your dad many times, both while he still had the license and after you'd you'd taken over with you on his own, and everyone was familiar with his his views, his sometimes outspoken views towards the end of his career and his his life. But I I don't really know much about what what your young family life was like in those days in Southport when when Red Rum was doing his thing. What was family life like then for all of you? Well, it say in those days it was. If you were kids, you were sat in the car having a packet of crisps and a bottle of pop outside <laughs> the pub, weren't you? When when they were social. And every Sunday was owners round and, and a big social thing and that sort of stuff. And it... Um, the, the 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 business came first. Red one was the most. Make no mistakes. He was the most important thing in our family. Way 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 more so than us, if you know what I mean. And and rightly so. I know he was very very special. And and everything we have, truthfully as a family, is is down to him. Was it was he selling the horses and the cars at the same time, effectively? Well, the cars the cars were different. Dad had someone in that um, Paul, who still has the showroom now, to be honest, and and he still has that, and he made a very good job of that, but. Dad just used to interfere with that a bit as, 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 the, as, the race, as the racing went on. He'd go off buying cars when he wasn't supposed to and that sort of thing. But, it, um, <laughs> but the, the, the horses, it was literally the kitchen window and the horses were there. You know, so you couldn't avoid it. It was, the, it was, the, it was everything. And your mum, an incredibly kind of strong and vibrant character as well. Were they, were they big social people? Very much so. Yeah. Dad especially, yeah, very much so. <laughs> to a fault, probably. To a fault. But that, that, was, that, that was the way it was then, yeah. But it was sort of it, it, I can I can feel that that style. Yeah, I say he he um, and I tried to be honest. Being on the other end of it as a youngster, when my kids came along, I tried to keep a bit of time for them on a Sunday and that sort of thing because there were in, in, it, it was the way it was then. There was no time for family life. It was owners coming around all the time. It was open house, you know. So did did you see your did you you see yourself sort of developing as a as a personality in in a very different way to him because of that? I think um, when 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 you stood back and and saw that and he didn't care he said what he thought a lot of it was tongue in cheek and he wasn't worried about what people thought about it afterwards. When it's your father and you remember the family 
and you see people talking about him and that sort of stuff, then it bothers you more, if you know what I mean. He didn't care. But from from standing off and seeing it, you would be more, you'd, please, Dad, don't say this and, and don't do that. But he, he did it for devilment, to be honest. Was it inevitable that that you would be the next name on a licence, that the training enterprise would grow, would burge, and that you would take over? Was it, was it always in the planning? It was never really discussed. It's, it's, it's a very easy thing to do to fall into it, isn't it? You know, I always wanted to ride for a bit and go away. Yeah, I was always going to work in the job and, and probably take over. I suppose there was a chance I could have gone off somewhere else and whatever, but... Um, yeah, it, it was, but we, it, it was never really discussed. There was ne never any great master plan. The only time there was ever a discussion was when I was going to get my first job. Um, I was going to go to Michael Dickinson, I think it was, and, and he he was going off elsewhere. And he said he suggested that we wrote to four people. Um, that was Guy Harwood, Michael Stout, Luca Kamani, and Henry Cecil to go, which we did. Um, and, and I ended up at Lucas, and that, and that was the only real planning in any any part of it, you know. So, other than that, it's just snowballed, really. Did you get replies from from all of them? All but one. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're safe now. I yeah. think that. Yeah, I, no. I think oh, no. Henry Cecil, the only one that didn't reply. Henry yeah. Cecil didn't reply. Um, Michael Stout. I spent a couple of summers with with him as, as well, actually, and at Sir <laughs> Michael and and Guy Howard replied, and, and and I think Luca rang up actually, and had a good chat, so that's where I ended up. So he wanted you, you turned up at Lucas. Um, did you learn or not? Absolutely, you can't help but not do it. But, you, but you're learning about a place that I still, when I turn up at Newmarket now, as you drive into town, it's mind-boggling. You know, so you, you just see all the facilities and everything's done for you and, and all the beautiful yards and so on and so on. And, and it still blows me away every time I'm at the sales, I go up and stand on the heath and and, and, and that sort of stuff, but obviously there's another side to training centres, and you've got to weigh up what what you're comfortable with. And what I mean, Dad would never be a man for a training centre. That was it; just wouldn't have worked, would it? Um, <laughs> he'd have taken other a people. He'd have taken a view, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so, so it's a great place to visit. Would you want to train there? No, you know, but. Um, yeah, you learned to be around great horses. When I was there, you know, there's, he had a, he had a yard full of stars at the time, and it's fascinating seeing seeing the different abilities for an animal with four legs, a head, and a tail. Mm -hmm. The different abilities in some of these great horses was something to be seen, you know. And did you get to ride a lot of the good ones? No, rode <laughs> <laughs> a few of the lead horses and that sort of stuff. I rode a very good. I used to look after a very good two-year-old who was nearly favourite for the Derby most of the winter, but. That, that never worked out, but you know they had this, they had the work riders and the senior work riders and and that sort of stuff. But it was great experience. It was yes. What sort of school was it? What sort of sh ship did did Luca captain? Um, look, he's, I still find him quite intimidating now to talk to, and and he's he's been quite good to me. But it just he, I was young. I was I was only had probably hadn't quite turned sixteen when I went there, uh -huh. and. Um, it, it was it was a, it was a very very professional yard. He checked. People couldn't believe it, but he checked every horse every evening. And if you looked after the last horse in the yard, you wouldn't be leaving until nearly seven o'clock at night. And and that was his way. He didn't go racing an awful lot and so on. And um, but you, you know, surrounded by beautiful horses, yeah. But he was a hard taskmaster. 
hard but fair. Yeah, you know, he, he just he, he wanted the job done properly. Yeah. So what did you do after that? Then I went, I wanted to ride, rightly or wrongly, people say wrongly, I wanted to ride, and I was riding then, and um, I, I enjoyed it, so I went to Oliver Sherwood's, and I spent, so it was two and a half years with Luger, two and a half years with Oliver Sherwood, and during the summers then, I went to Michael Stout's. And Oliver Sherwood, again, was at the top of the tree at the time, at the oh, time you were there, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, had some great horses around the place. It was just after the West Awake, but it was... Um, cruising altitude horses Cruising like altitude and large action and all, the, and all those sort of horses. And he'd go and win two divisions of the Novice Chase at Kempton on a Saturday and, and that sort of stuff. And, yeah, no, there was, there was, it, was, it was the best yard in Lambourne at the time, yeah. And we saw it last week. Yeah, he was sitting in your seat last week. And, yeah, the response we got to him appearing on the programme was tremendous. It was a very popular popular man. Did, did the yard have that kind of convivial feel about it then? Was it very different from being in a flat yard in Newmarket? I think jumping yards are always different to flat yards. Yeah, very, a very Just different... Just in them feel? Yeah, very, a very different atmosphere. He had good jockeys. Mark Richards was second jockey. Um, Simon was there first. Jamie Osborne came and there was conditionals in the yard and good lads and, and, uh, and Lambourne's a slightly more switched off version of Newmarket, isn't it? But it, the yard was flying. It was a great place to be around proper good jumpers. And good fun for you? Good, good years. fun, yeah. Bit of hardship as a trainer's son as well, but but yeah, did, good did fun. You? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You used to, get, used to get. I was only a little lad at the time. Used to get picked on a bit and that sort of thing. But that's fine. That's 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 part and parcel of the way it works. Um, did you think it was fine at the time, or was it, or did you have to? It was hard. Did you have to get a thick skin? Uh, yeah, I had to get a thick skin. It was did hard you? on occasions, but look, that's 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 you know, it's, it doesn't do you any harm. Really? Yeah. yeah. And when you. When you finally made the decision that you, you needed to, to, to kick on and, and, and go home, did you feel you, you came back better equipped and knowing a bit more? Absolutely, yeah. It, ca it came down to the fact Dad was losing one of his yards in Southport. We, we had the main yard with 22 boxes and there was, there was a yard down the road that I think turned into a brothel after that or something <laughs> where, where there used to be an old riding school and, um, and he was losing that yard so he either stayed there with 22 horses or, or, or he moved somewhere else. And also it was getting quite difficult on the beach with the environmentalists and so on. That mm -hmm. If you went there now, it was unrecognisable to the beach. We used to train horses on. It's almost marshland out to the sea because they tried to build, bring the sandhills out and that, you know, the, where, where we used to work horses just isn't there anymore. Um, so he'd done his national service and before his national service, he'd been around the Cheshire area and someone told him this yard was, well, it was a dairy farm at the time. They were trying to diversify and so on. So he decided to move there. And it was at that point he said to myself and Joanne, basically, can you come home and give us a hand? Because it was all, for them, more than us. They'd never left Southport, the pair of them. So. And Joanne's your sister? Yes. Who's worked very closely with you for, for a long time? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. you guys obviously, you obviously get on well. Yeah, Joanne's great. Obviously, Joanne's been away. She was secretary to Nikki Henderson, Jenny Pittman for a, for a period of time. She worked for Shippy Ellis, the jockey's agent in Newmarket, for the time as well. And, and and when it was time to move, we all came home and and, and mucked in. When did the when did that turning point come from? You know, uh, what was what was quite a, a small operation, really. And as you said, your father would stand up and say, "If you could get ten winners by Christmas, we'd be happy." To to really developing this into a bit of a powerhouse. One of the simplest things that we did when, is when we went there, you went to this place, there was four stables down by the office, it was an old dairy farm, we'll never own the place, and, and Dad's invested a lot of money in it, but 
there's a cattle grid at the top of the drive, no hedges, no fences, no gallops, no just, just fields. And the first gallop we put in was about three and a half furlongs up the hill and it stopped by the tree. We extended it about 200 yards to, to the road and the difference it made in the way the horses were running was, if we'd known it was going to make that difference to start with, I'd have done it with a shovel myself. Just that extra half a furlong really? or so made a, such a difference to the way the horses worked, yeah. Yeah, and they start. And, do, and they do you, can you understand how that's happened? How that works? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because just as you got to the top of the hill, you'd be pulling up, and whereas when it was extended, you could go that extra couple of hundred yards. So they come over the Bower Hill, take a blow, and you could make them work for another couple of hundred yards. And I would I just obviously at the time we didn't realise what a difference it would make, but it, it made a huge difference in the horses. I remember walking around the yard when we were first there, and I think there was. 30 horses in the yard and I think 17 and a half of them were dads, you know, so that's where we were. Yeah, I mean, it's, you can't really operate a, an no. efficient business like no. that at all, no. uh, even though, you know, economies of scale, you, your staffing costs are going to be much less and so forth, but it's a big place, isn't it? And it, it sort of, it suits a, a, good, a good number of horses. Did, did you have ambitions to train a lot of horses then? What were your ambitions then? I didn't really know what training a lot of horses was. You know, we, we, we'd always had a number of horses, maybe maybe 30, 35 at the most. So would you like to be a 60, 70 horse yard? Yeah, absolutely you would, yes. Um, beyond that, I didn't ex expect to be going beyond that. Yeah, because you, you always wear it quite lightly to me. I never, I never look at you and think you're sort of, you know, burning with this, the, this, this enormous ambition to train hundreds of winners and be you know, right at the top of the tree. But clearly there is a fire in you, otherwise you wouldn't have got to, 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 to where you've got to. I want to train winners. Um, I want to train good winners. I don't really ever expect to be at the top of the tree. I don't really, I believe, have the mentality... It's not, it's not hunger, because we, we always want to train winners, and when you're not training winners, I'm, I'm, I'm in as bad a mood as anyone, but I'm maybe not cutthroat enough to get to the very top. You know, my horses are my, my horses are my joy, and if a horse has, has done me well, I'm not going to then ship him on and get another one in. And I don't have the owners to do that either. My owners invest in the horses, and they expect the horse to be there a long time, hopefully, and and not be able to, you know, you win your two novice hurdles, three novice hurdles, and you get a rating. Maybe not be a good horse, ship him out and get another one. That's not where we are. I just want to be surrounded by nice horses and nice owners, and hopefully keep training the winners. Yes, because you're not really one for great sort of. Um, displays of bravura, are you? That's just not your. It's not your style, is it? No. And so, there's, is there still is there still quite a bit of the, um, you know, the quiet, shy, small young boy in, in there? Do you think? I, th I think yeah, m probably more more than people think. Uh, I, I'm I'm not particularly sociable in many in, in many ways. Shall I tell you that? <laughs> um, and and um, yeah, I'd I'd quite, quite sociable. She's kind of very sociable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew, I can see it. owners love it. It works, and it's just that I, I just, I just struggle with it, and I always have done. I don't know if that comes from the way I've been brought up or whatever. I just, I just, I, I, I just sooner keep myself to myself a little bit. Do you think that's why when things weren't going quite so well, say five, six years ago, um, you, you thought of walking away? Um. I, I, look, I got, a, I got a good kick in. I, I, I did, and um, well, I don't know if walking away ever came into it. 
because the first thing I did is I, I sat down and spoke to my owners and things like that, and I realised very quickly how lucky I was. You know, so, but 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 as as an individual, it um, you're a bit scarred by that sort of thing further down the line, the the, the way it happened and that sort of stuff. Um, because I mean, people have pretty short memories in this game. Effectively, your your yard mushroomed and mushroomed and mushroomed and a huge portion of those horses were owned by one ownership concern, yeah. the Paul and Claire Rooney. Yeah. And those horses effectively all moved on block yeah. and they were being managed by your ex-stable jockey. So there yeah. were all sorts of multi-layered, complex, personal issues there. Yes. Yeah. And the 12 months before it was horrendous. Horrendous. In fact, I didn't realise... <laughs> I, I probably shouldn't even bring this up, but I didn't realise I was diagnosed with depression at the time till the other day when um, a firearms officer rang me to renew my father's gun licence because I keep I keep his guns for him. I don't shoot, I keep his guns for him. And, um, and she said it was on my records. I didn't even know, to be honest. So um, I, know, I know I was getting a bit of help off the doctor and things like that, but it, it, it was a pretty low point, yeah. Um, but I can't tell you, it was literally from the day the horses went... It was like a new job again, and that sounds silly, really. But from the day the horses went, it was like a new job again. I went and stood up top of the gallop and gave myself a shake, and we were away again. I do have quite a vivid memory, and I, I was wondering whether I should bring this up, but I will. I remember coming to see you to do a, um, a feature, and it was a, around about the time when the horses weren't running great, and you had a list of all the horses that were owned by the Roonies pinned up on the. Yeah. On the thing, which people normally would, and you said to me, "Look at that," and pointed to the list, and obviously it ran to, you know, three pages long or whatever, hundred horses, and you just, that, you just, your eyes widened and just went, "Look at that! What am I supposed to do?" Yeah. And there was a, you had that feeling of, and I thought, I was kind of worried because I thought you, you seemed quite helpless. It, it was never comfortable. It, it really wasn't. Look, they, they supported me, and I, I shouldn't be complaining, but it was never a comfortable situation. Um, and it snowballed quite dramatically. And, and I found it very hard to say no when, when they were given the chance to buy the horse that you wanted to train, and I bought some very good horses, thankfully, but allowed to buy the horse you wanted to train. And then, as everybody will tell you, I like buying horses. Yeah. <laughs> it's become a bit of a standing joke. You can't, go to, you can't go to a sale and walk away with that they, they also wanted the other ones. Well, when you've bought the most expensive one, you can't really say, no, you can't have the cheap ones. And, and that's, that's kind of how it happened. And it's, it's very, very difficult to say no. It really is. And in hindsight, could I or should I have said no? Probably, yeah, but that's a long, that's a long way down the road now. Yeah. Um, but that, then we are where we are, which is you doing incredibly well again and performing to a very, very high level, sitting fourth in the Trainers' Championship behind some people who are incredibly competitive and really do believe that they, to stay there, no. they should be. That, well, the top ten will be happy. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to stay there, whether you like it or not. I mean, this is the fundamental difference between you and pretty much everyone else who sits on this sofa. Because I think people in this sport condition themselves to thinking they have to say, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to be here, I'm going to, you know... And, give it all out to the owners. How nice is it for you to be in a position where you can be yourself and the owners will still come? Well, I, it's, it's not my way. I, I, see, I, I see a lot of these trainers self-promoting and that sort of stuff. And I, you know, if it takes that type of person to push 
to get them to come to you, that's not really me. No. You know, so, you know, I, I've got some wonderful owners. Trevor Hemmings only ever came into the yard once and we had to win a Grand National for that to happen. You know, obviously Tim, Tim barely ever comes. And, Tim and, Leslie. And that's probably the one main reason why I'm still going is, is Tim Leslie and his family. They've been fantastic to me, you know. Um, and, he, and he says it's nice to have a trainer that's so boring I don't have to socialise with him. Yeah, so that, that's the type. That's the type of people I train for, and it's great. And 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 they've been ever so good to me, and I appreciate everything they do. And and clearly, to you, and you've mentioned it already, your family life is very important to you. And you've got your your daughters are back, both back home working. Yes, in the yard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and the experience that they've accrued must be invaluable now, isn't it? Very it's great. good riders as well. It's great. And 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 I, I have a fantastic assistant, Adrian, who's Adrian Lane, who's been with me a long time, and I've got the girls there and. And say a number of people have been there for a long time, and obviously Shan, Shan's there, Shan's there. There's nobody you'd sooner have backing you up, to be honest, you know. And and it's great. And the one thing all of this over time made you realise is at the end of the day, your family's the be all and end all. It's all you've got at the end of the day. You know, friends will come and go along the way, and and your family are there to back you up. And just thinking back to to your father, it was it was also very obvious that. He was incredibly proud for all the for all the bluster, wasn't he? I think so. Yeah, it was never that was never discussed <laughs> either. To be honest, we I think towards the end we got a great crack out of going to the sales together and being able to buy horses together and the type of horse you wanted to train and that sort of stuff. And I didn't realise at the time when we won the national, I didn't just appreciate how soon he'd be gone. To be honest, and 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 to me that that's 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 very important. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, he was one of those people that I think the sport imagined would just be there forever, and 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 me, yeah, yeah. and 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 still, to be honest, you still walk in the house sometimes and expect him to be sat on the sofa growling at you reading the Racing Post, yeah. It, that doesn't. He was this this, this all-consuming presence that probably, to a fault, took over, took over, took over everything. And even as you as you're getting older, you were always too concerned about what Dad thought, but. Now your decision-making processes aren't aren't always scrutinised and questioned by oh definitely not by no, somebody definitely not yeah. does that make does that make your job easier now um, yes and also um, as we discussed with the other stuff I now feel more confident having survived what we survived mm-hmm. if if you if you can survive that and keep going and do, and do what you're doing then then. You know, we're going to be okay. I was never a confident person, but in a twisted way, it's been the best thing ever happened to me.